0: If you have your Bible, I want you to look in Hebrews chapter 13 if you want to go ahead and make your way to that passage of Scripture. I want you to look down in verse 7. It says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Of course, jump over in verse 17. It says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Father, we ask your blessing upon this time. Help us to be a help and an encouragement to uh, to all of us who have children that are grown and some in the home, some out of the home, but we, may we learn some things tonight that might help. In your name we pray. Amen. We have spent much of our our lives learning these principles here on obedience and following somebody's faith. Even though many times those people we follow sometimes err in the faith, but we're still commanded to do so because that's God's divine order. But we want to understand a little bit about helping adult children. And uh, many of us are in that age bracket now to where children are past the age of 18. First of all, we've got to understand the culture today. Average age of women getting married is 27. The average age of men today is 29. That wasn't so when, even when I was in school, uh, we pretty much got our driver's license at 16 and wanted to get married by 17, pretty much. But that wasn't uh, wasn't how it's not how it's done now. During our war years, which I would call World War II and uh, Korea, Vietnam, even that uh, our our boys turned 18 which is the the legal age uh that's the you're no longer a minor at 18 years of age you're considered an adult 21 some of you some figure that's that's when uh, you uh really have reached full adulthood but for the most part 18 was the age that you could go to war you could fight and die for your country and Many of our young men did so or they went to war and it caused even the rest of the country to follow. It was all of a sudden you, you became an adult overnight and you had responsibility, you were taught discipline and, and our women even got into the job forces to take care of things while men were gone. And our country it was had a different culture than we have today. The term today that has been uh, created just a few years ago it's called emerging adults and emerging adulthood is a term used to describe a period of development spanning from about eighteen to twenty nine experienced by most people in their twenties the West westernized cultures and in other parts of the world as well and initially defined by Jeffrey Jensen Arnett a PhD from Clark University in year 2000 and what it, what we mean by emerging adult is that they don't had that, you know, 18, you know, I'm an adult, I'm going to work, I'm, I'm pulling my weight, I, am, I have arrived kind of thing, like many of us did. We went off to college, we went to, to work, and we worked full-time, we didn't get to play, and video games weren't part of our life anymore. And so, but today it's different, it's a different culture. And uh, it's called emerging adults to where they gradually grow into adulthood. Now you say, well I don't like that, I don't either. But the truth is, it's what is right now. Uh, So in most cases, this new dynamic has allowed the independence of our young adults to really to get ahead of their maturity. Still trying to find themselves, many of them. uh, You know, they refrain from committed relationships to just friendships, trying to figure out how to pay for a new car and a house, and and eventually save enough money to uh, up enough money to get married. And let's let's face it, part of the problem is our fault, if I may, and and because we have allowed our national debt, we've allowed our economy to get so wild that the cost of everything is so high that young people uh, really are feared of of being able to to pay for everything that they want. And our, so our wants now exceed what our abilities are, and, uh, and thus the wedding and relationships, committed relationships get put off. So there are many things a parent can do to help that, their young people, their teenagers, to become responsible and motivated adults and to, to jump into adulthood earlier than in their, er, their early 30s. But That's not really the point of tonight. Tonight we're gonna talk about those who have adult children and uh, in reckoning with them, dealing with them, helping them during this point in time in their life. Because in the book of Hebrews, we read that, you know, our kids were, we were taught, our kids were taught to follow the faith that they were given, that we ought to just expect them to live by our rule the rest of their life. And that's not what the word of God teaches. Word of God teaches, and I think Brother Cowling is is teaching a good lecture to to parents on helping young people to obey and to to honor their parents. But there will come a time when that 18-year-old is no longer a minor, though he'll act like it, and though he'll be foolish and won't put away his Legos or video games, but he'll still continue to want the things of adulthood. And these are areas and cultures that we must deal with. In Mark chapter 10, verse 9, it says, From the beginning of creation, God made the men and female, male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall they, they twain shall be one flesh, so that they are no more twain but one flesh. What Therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Of course, this is... This is the culture that we, were, we grew up in, that you, you became a, an adult, you took on responsibility, you, you know, and I've heard so many young men say, well, I'm waiting to get my life in order and get money set aside so I can, I can you know, get ahead of the game and get married. Well, we all can look back and say, that ain't never going to happen you're never going to get ahead of the game, right? Anybody here ahead of the game? <laughs> okay, uh, none of us are. But it is a process and that growing process from getting married and fighting, you know, living on a shoestring is, is part of the growing relationship that a young husband and a young wife can have. So there are three areas that I'm going to talk about tonight. And I'll, I'll do it briefly, I promise you. One is the married, having married children, and the, the, the second one will be uh, adult children, single, that are living at home, and third is the child that, that runs from our values and our faith. So let me start with dealing with the married children that are in our home or in, uh, in our lives. When a young couple has a daughter, has a son that comes walks down maybe this aisle here in this building, and dads, you take her in your arm and you hand her to a groom. Well, there is something that happens there that a transition that most parents have a difficult time with. the first the first or t- first point is there are two rules that every parent needs to understand. One is keep your mouth shut and your heart open. Because once you you give that girl to that husband, and once he takes her as his bride, they become one flesh. They're out of they're they are no longer under your authority. And this is when I was taught it was Hammett and House Anderson back when I was a student. That unsought advice is seldom followed and usually resented. And guess what? You got a lot of advice to give, and so do I. And if you don't believe me, ask me. I got plenty to give. But we all do, and but in our, we are at a time and a point in our life where our, our young people who are married now, you know, we can instruct them thoroughly on how not to make many of the mistakes that we made. Everything from children to finances to the personal relationships, all these things, we could help, and we want to help. But keep your mouth shut, keep your heart open. They're adults. And you must treat them like an adult while loving them like children. They're going to want to do foolish things that seem to you foolish, but you're grown up now. They're not. They're at a point in time to where they're still enjoying the simple things of life. You and I, we need to become also a student of the culture. Now, we don't have to change what we are, but we got to understand what they are. We got to understand the things that they like, the colors they like, the kind of furniture they like, the kind of cars they want to drive, the, the kind of clothes they want to wear, the kind of things they want to want to do, the music they listen to. Those things you're going to have to understand a little bit because much of that, you were the same way and I was the same way. And some of it may may ruffle your feathers a little bit, but again, it's not yours to talk about. It's not yours to correct. You need to become a student of, of the culture or their culture. Remind them of the following. One, that they are adults. And I think you could say that kindly when they are dealing with issues that are, are difficult for them to handle. You can kind of say, well, you're going to be fine. This is, this is what happens when you become an adult. These things we learn to deal with. And you're reminding them that they are not the child anymore. They are an adult now. They're handling, you know, they may have a baby and and uh, the baby won't stop crying and they ask you to help and and or they are starting to freak out. I mean, Mom, that that's just a time for you to say, well, you know what? You were that way too and these are things that you have to learn. You're an adult now. You don't have to, you don't put your finger in their face, you're an adult, get with it. And that's not gonna help. That's only going to uh, make for an ad- adversarial type relationship and you don't want that. But remind them that they, you got to pay their bills on time. I, I have reminded my my two kids, and, uh, and I've reminded them something my dad reminded me of many times, is to pay your tithe. I think if you want to get the blessing of God and the, the peace of God oh, out of your home fast, don't tithe. And our pastor preaches and teaches on it an awful lot, not because he's a money-grabbing preacher. It's because he loves you and knows that Tithing and being honest with God brings peace in a home. My dad told me, he said, the first number one thing about finances is you pay your tithe. Of all things that happen to you, Ed, in life, don't get God mad at you. That's what he said. I've told my daughter that. I've told my son that. I've told my grandchildren that. You make sure you tithe. You make sure you tithe. Deal with the problems. Nobody owes you anything you got to earn your own way. We live in a very entitled, entitled society to where everybody feels like they're owed everything. Teacher children but your adult children even now you know you're going to have to let them know that nobody owes them anything nobody owes them a living well dad how am i going to ever afford a house well you're going to live honestly you're going to work hard you're going to live frugally and god's going to help you provide a house provide a house for you you're just going to have to go out and earn it and make it happen and everybody wants a house handed to them everybody wants a car given to them everybody wants something done for them but you're going to have to remind them, adults. You must accept the fact, and this is—I uh, I didn't make this point up. I heard this. I uh, actually read it in a book, and I love it. But moms and dads, once your kids get married, there's one thing you got to remember—or look. Here's how you got to look at it: You've been fired. You are no longer large and in charge. Okay, you're fired. And if you look at it, being fired is not a fun thing to have happen to you. Nothing about being fired anybody likes. And uh, but as a parent, you're fired. You're no longer the you, you're yeah by blood you're their parent and you will always be. But the but the the authority area, it's over. It's over. You have no right to tell them what to do but you'll feel it because I'm your dad. Well, it's it's got to exchange from the authoritative position to that of one of respect and to where they listen to you out of respect, not because they have to. You must accept the fact that you are no longer the parent, you are their friend. And if you treat them like like, you're a, like you treat a friend, you don't demand things from your friend, you negotiate with them, you try to respect their wants and their desires and try to help when you can. Help when they ask, not when you want to. You know, you're going to want to jump in and you're going to want to tell them how to how to take care of their babies and you're going to want to tell them what to do with their house. You know, this is how I would remodel the basement. This is what I would do. This, You know, they don't care what you would do. They want, they'll, you know, my son is a carpenter. He lives next door to me, actually, which is really nice, because now I get to borrow his tools. And, uh, but, you know, when he gets an idea and, and things in his house that he wanted to do, he'll say, Dad, what do you think about this? Now, I know what he's asking. He wants my approval on what he wants to do. And uh, you know what? I don't go in and tell him, no, this is what you ought to do. Now, if he asks, he says, I'm having a problem with this area. What do you think about this? And give me your honest opinion. Then I will. But generally, they want my approval on what they're doing. And I make a big deal out of the fact that, boy, you're doing a great job. When I see him working with her children, and my daughter-in-law was working with her daughter, uh, going over some school stuff, and I said, "You're, you're a very good teacher. Now, you could actually see their, their heads growing because they, they were they, they, somebody said something kind about them. And, but I want, I want the relationship to grow there. You're, you're going to have to realize that when you want to help them, you've got to just sit back until they ask you. Otherwise, you're meddling. You're interfering. If they're making a mistake in their marriage, stay out of it. Stay out of it until they ask. Have a defined talk with them, preferably before marriage, but for most of the, the, the folks in the room, it's probably after marriage now. But let them know that you'll respect them, even if they no longer have to obey you. I want you to respect me. We're going to respect you. We'll respect your time, we'll respect your, your space. I know you don't have to obey me, because you're not a child anymore. But but respect my my lifestyle, my culture. Respect my faith. Respect my. I will respect yours as well. I think these are adult conversations that you have. Respect your adults, your adult children's in-laws. You know they want to go spend time with the in-laws. That that's a difficult time, especially if they have uh, they live in your area and you get to spend a lot of time with them and you're a little closer, it's difficult for them to go and spend time. Uh, you know, It kind of hurts you to see them go and spend time with their in-laws. But respect that. Give them time to do so. Don't make them feel like they're hurting your feelings because they're going to spend Christmas with, with her parents. Recognize that there, are most, that there is most often measurable, listen carefully to this, measurable grief when a child leaves a home. I'm talking about real grief. I'm talking about depression, grief, funeral kind of grief. Oftentimes, there's uh, that very difficult attitude that happens, and even between a, a, you know, a husband and wife, because you are missing your children, you feel abandoned. They don't, they won't call as much. My wife, as I've seen her, when my my son, uh, you know. He doesn't, he doesn't call every day. In fact, if he calls once a week, we're lucky. But he lives right next door. You know, we can wave out the window. But we get offended when he doesn't call. And uh, right after he got married, you know, the, the phone calls ceased, even from my daughter as much. And you wonder, are they mad at us? And what that is, it's just a parting grief. Because even now, if you go to our college on the first day of school, you talk to any college student that's in the dorms. They call their mom every day, several times a day. Now we didn't have that chance when we were in college. If you lived in the dorms back in my day, uh, you had to wait in line for the payphone. And uh, if some girl was talking, a guy was talking to his girlfriend, you were there for in line for a long time. But, you know, with cell phones, there's constant communication between mom and son or mom and daughter, and dad likewise. And that, that is good, and it's also bad because it just makes the, the, the parting time a lot more difficult. They don't call as much, they don't visit as much as you'd like, or they, they want to have their own Christmas morning. That was a tough one for us. No, 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 no. Everybody comes over to our house for Christmas. And well, the tough, uh, very t- most difficult one was shortly after my son got married. My daughter's married first and my son got married. And uh, I think two Christmases after he got married, her parents lived in Pennsylvania and uh, they were going to their house for Christmas. And my daughter, and she married into, uh, into sin, into the Harrell family. And, uh, but uh, she married the Harrells and their relatives are all down in, in Kentucky. And they were going down there for a big Herald Christmas. Well, the Filipinos were home by ourselves. And I'm going to tell you something. We sat home and we pouted like children. And then we got angry about lunchtime. And about suppertime, I said, this is never going to happen again. If this ever happens where they're both gone on Christmas, we're going on a cruise. And, uh, but we're not going to be spending Christmas looking at our tree. But those are difficult times, and I wasn't prepared for that. My wife wasn't prepared for that. But there there will, be, there will be anxiety, there will be grief even, to where you can go into depression, especially if they start to move away, they go off to the mission field, or they just move across the country for a job or whatnot. Those are very difficult times for, for mom and dad. But remember, once again, you've been fired and your job is different now. Your relationship may have to be long distance. It may have to be uh, separated for a while. These are things that you will have have to deal with. And last, under this heading, make a mental note, you will have adult children longer than you had minors. So if you wanna mess up that relationship now in their early stages of their marriage, just remember, they're, they're probably going to be changing your diaper one day. All right? And uh, they're, it's, the roles are going to switch one day. And instead of making an adversary out of them, make make a, a friend out of them. The second area is adult children living at home. With another adult, somebody has just turned 18, and they feel like they're an adult, now you have you have an extra adult in the house. You have a husband, I have a wife, and you have an 18-year-old who thinks they're an adult. And they're going to start acting like adult. They're going to start being independent. God designed them that way. Now, going to, it's going to be difficult, and you're going to have to figure out how to make it work. But you can't be upset the fact that they're wanting to become an adult, because you did too. And if that's God's design. So then with with another adult living in the house, clear expectations and boundaries must be established. They will revert back to childhood if parents revert back to parenthood. If you start babying that adult and start making their meals for them and start doing their clothes for them and start paying their bills for them and providing things for them like you, you have been doing, you're going to continue the child parent relationship and not the adult relationship. And you're going to hinder their growth. And don't forget, once they turn 18, they have they have that adult mindset. But even even, even with a senior citizen coming, Jamie's mom moved into our home. Now the most gracious ladies God ever created was my mother-in-law. Sweet and kind and and just as giving. But there were times even as living in our home for five years, that she would grade on you because she was an adult and she had her ways of doing things. We would be sitting and we'd just be either starting dinner or having dinner. She would eat about 4.30 and uh, about, about, about five o'clock, she'd go get her bath and this is what she did all her life. She'd get her bath, and then we'd be sitting there. If we are watching the news or what. whatnot, she'd go through, and she'd shut every curtain in the house. It's 5 o'clock. It's going to be light for another three hours. And uh, she's she's got the house all buttoned up, doors locked, and uh, ready for bed. And she'd go into her room. I'd go open the curtains and turn on the lights and unlock the doors. And uh, But these are things, because we had another adult, and you you couldn't tell her because it wouldn't make her uh, offend her. It was just, you had to to learn to live. Remember, with a single adult living in your home, remember the three R's, responsibility, respect, and rent. Responsibility, you're saying, put rent first there. And uh, responsibility, respect, and rent. That's what you expect. If they're going to live in your home, they're going to have to have responsibilities and take care of their own things, their own laundry, take care of their food, and they're going to pay rent, and they're going to respect your lifestyle. And uh, I, I, would, I would caution you, though, if a child decides to change all his lifestyle and or hers and they want to do things that are immoral or wrong or, or things like that in your home, there needs to be a meeting of the mind. And I would probably, at that point in time, get some counsel from somebody so that you can mediate the situation and not cause, uh, cause the adversarial relationship to continue. Teach them next to, do, to carry their own weight. They're responsible even though they're not married, they're an adult, and they've got to carry their weight. They've got to carry the responsibilities of the house. They've got to take care of things and take care of their own life. Next, direct their future. And this is something they have to, you have to do cautiously. You have to help them, um, you know, by sitting down having adult conversation. How long are you going to be living here? Can we help you save money? What can we do? Can we help you organize your finances? Don't tell them you're going to. Ask them if you can help with that. To where you can buy your own home. You can buy your own car. These are things that will help get them into adulthood and get them into life. And they'll be happier in doing so. Next, respect their choices even if you don't agree with them. I've always believed you can get along with anybody if you want to. You'll have to choose the high road. And You say, well, what's the high road? Well, it's the, high, the high road is, is the road that Jesus would take. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a difficult road. It's, it's not a road we wouldn't want to take because we, we know what we want. And just because they're, they're living their life their way, it's not your way, you've got to handle it the way you feel Jesus would handle the situation. Uh, think Christ-like, be honest with them, be loving and also merciful. That's what Jesus would do, and that's what Christ-likeness is all about. And here, when we live our lives and we live a Christ-like life, even in difficult situations, we, we glorify Jesus Christ if we handle it well. Remember, experience is a better teacher than advice is. Let them pay their own tickets, as my dad would say. My dad never paid for a traffic ticket. My dad never paid for an accident when I wrecked a car, uh, nor my brothers. I had seven brothers and sisters. None of us. Dad never paid for any of those things for us. If we made mistakes, we all paid for those mistakes. And moms and dads. I think was, was, as as our children, we go to their behalf and uh, try to try to pay their way out of things. But consequences is a great is a great school teacher. In fact, it's a master teacher. And we live, you know, one of the worst things we could ever do to the, uh, the young adults in our country right now is, uh, is pay their student loans off for them. You know, this country does that. We are hurting the next generation. Because they foolishly got into those student loans. And if parents helped them, then parents were foolish as well. And, and uh, the consequences will be felt for many years to come. And that ought to be a lesson to them. Encourage them to lock into church and church ministries. Encourage missions trips, specific jobs that give them significance in the church. Make sure they have a reason to get out of bed and go to church. Have a job that they have to do, whether it's ushering, whether it's a a Sunday school teacher, being in the choir, someplace they have to do, something they have to do, and a place they have to be in church. And last, what do you do with the adult child that walks away from your values and your faith. Number one, they know what you believe, so don't keep reminding them. They know. They've been taught. They're not idiots. Proverbs 3, 6 6 says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Look to God's path, not ours. Beg God for his guidance in their life. Handle the situation the way God would want you to handle it, not the way you want to handle it. They've gone into an area, they've gotten advice, they've been around people, they've listened to podcasts that have changed their views and their thinkings, and they're going to make those mistakes, and it's going to be grueling to you and very difficult for you to watch. But once again, the consequences that they're going to feel, your hounding them is only going to drive them to it but the consequences will make them realize how smart you were, and it's a price they're going to pay one day. Let them feel the broadening of your relationship by you just stepping back and letting them them run. Encourage them to do right. Never never discourage them from that. Let them know that they're loved. Let them know that uh, you think differently, but that unwavering, unconditional love will also see a brightening a widening of your relationship and a broadening of your relationship with them that is meaningful. And that is the one thing you want to maintain with them all the rest of their life is that relationship. The fact that you, they have gone a different direction. You say, I'm not going to have anything to do with them. That's thats not godly. they They always need to realize that you will have them back. You know, if you look at the story, we read it the other day, in Sunday school lesson, when the Israelites were getting ready to go into the promised land that the, that the uh, tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh had found some great grazing land for their cattle. And they went to Moses and says, hey, you know what? You guys can go ahead and cross the Jordan, go into the promised land, go into Canaan. We want to stay here. Well, that wasn't Moses' plan for 40 years. That wasn't God's plan. But they decided Moses realized that these guys were going to do their own thing and he needed their help in fighting the battles in Canaan. He said, look, if you stay here, we're going to lose many battles and we may not be able to conquer the Canaan land. And Reuben, the the tribe of Reuben, the men came together and says, all right, we will go with you. We are going to build fences here. We're going to build stables. And we're going to leave our, our women and cattle here. And we are going to go and fight for you and claim the land. But we're coming back here. That wasn't what Moses wanted, but it's what he accepted. And they did get the promised land. And he did maintain a relationship with Reuben and Gad and Manasseh. You may not get out of your children everything that you want, even spiritually. But you can always get a relationship. And you maintain that relationship and love unconditionally. Take care of their birthdays, their holidays. And uh, they may be living in in, uh, in adultery. They may live in, in homosexuality. and uh, But you still, you still, still love unconditionally. Also, be reminded this, that grandkids will come faster than you think, and you'll want a relationship with them. And if all you ever get to do with your adult children that have, that have strayed is a relationship with your grandchildren, you've, you've gotten something. Work with what you can do, develop and maintain a relationship no matter what. Don't follow them. This is important. Don't follow them into their values and into, into their culture. You never have to compromise your convictions, your standards, and your faith. I was a youth pastor here for a long time, and one of the things that always broke my heart, when the young people went a different direction, when the parents followed, it never came out well. The family definitely disrupted. They never had the peace that they once had. Moms and dads, and listen to me carefully, if your kids go a different direction, you stay where you're at. You uh, you don't have to sacrifice your convictions. You don't have to sacrifice your standards. You just got to sacrifice your position. You're no longer in charge. And God God will take care of them. God will guide them. Your job is to pray. Your job is to love. Your job is to help grandkids when when you can. You know it's like Jesus when he sent the disciples out. He said, "I send you forth. I send you." Uh, forth as sheep in the midst of wolves be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves and you and I we live in a world and our kids are in a world where there's a lot of sin there's going to be a lot of things that are going to attack our children and and Satan's going to win some of them but we have to be wise and how we handle that if they're ever going to come back if our grandkids are ever going to stay in church we're going to have to be wise I'll quit with this The prodigal son, the great story there, he had a very wise father. His son came to him and said, Dad, I want what comes to me. I want my inheritance now. That's basically like telling his dad, I wish you were dead. And so then he takes off and he leaves. And I can't imagine the hurt that that father had. Some of you can imagine that. But his dad didn't follow him. His dad stayed home. He didn't chase him. He didn't go to another church. He didn't find where his son was worshiping. He, went, uh, he stayed where he was at. He waited for his return. I got to believe that during that wait time, it wasn't sitting on the front porch in a rocking chair. I think it was still working and still maintaining the farm and uh, still uh, pray and praying and fasting for that child. He waited for him to return, and he watched just, just incredibly for his son's return. And that watching, listen to me carefully, instead of going into depression over your child's missteps here, just excitedly waiting for, wait for their return, wait for them to get things right with God, wait for them to come home to you, wait for them to realize that, you know, this wasn't such a bad lifestyle, that Christian life wasn't a bad deal. And the joy that his, the dad had when he came home, that son realized the fact that his dad had been waiting for him. And he was there when his son returned, but with a greater love and a bigger heart. His son stole his blessing, but ended up seeing his father's mercy. So no matter how it turns out, you will have done all that you've done to show your son, your daughter, maybe your grandkids even one day, your mercy and your love and your care, that's Christ-like. And maybe they'll re-believe in God again. Maybe they'll realize that they would messed up and threw away some better parts of their lives. The I told you souls never healed a past mistake. But mercy has mended many, many offenses. And the mercy that you have and the love that you have You know, when he saw a changed heart, he came home. The only one that wasn't excited about him coming home was the fatted calf. (laughs) He wasn't too thrilled, was he? But I even think his brother, his brother probably enjoyed the fact that he had someone to help him on the farm again. Nothing hurts more like a child going away or getting an addiction or leaving your church. Especially some of us who have been in this church for a generation or two. We know what works. We know how it. We know what it, kind of life it can bring. And nobody wishes that any child will live a life of consequences. We don't want that. We want to avoid that. But we live in a world where sin's tough. And this world is getting pretty crazy right now, isn't it? I hope this has been a little bit of a help to you. Let's pray.